Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? Come on, let's give Jesus some praise in the room today. No, no songs, no singers, just your hands, your voice. Come on, give God all the praise. Give Him all the glory today. So, so good to see you in the room. While you're standing, would you just help me welcome all of our first-time guests and everybody joining us online today. Just say a great big welcome. So glad, so glad you're here. And a couple of things as we get into the message today. One is... Please, dear Jesus, attend a different service than the 10 a.m. This room is packed and overflowing. Look around a little bit, everybody. Uh, let's make some room. We got the 8.30 service. By the way, the cameras on, aren't on at 8.30, so I feel a little more liberty in the room. So if you want a different version of the message, come to 8.30. There's no cameras, so I just say whatever I want to. Um, we got 11.30. We got a few seats in the 11.30. And a lot of times people go, like, how, how can I serve the church? How can I help? It's so simple, but if you attend a, a, a service, like we got Saturday night coming, we got 8.30, we got 11.30. If you attend one of those services, like it's a small gesture, but it makes a huge difference is it allows our church to keep reaching people. And all we want is more and more people to experience abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been a part of our church for five minutes. Maybe you've been a part of our church for five years and you just haven't made this your home or you haven't found your place, Growth Track is happening at 1130, at 11.30 right after this service in the, in the little building as you're leaving. It's the little building on the left. Listen, everybody needs a spiritual home. Everybody needs a place to put down spiritual roots. And I'm a little partial, but I don't think there's any better place than Coast Life Church to plant your family, plant your life. Give God your all. Give God your best. Believing for some great things in your life. Give somebody another high five. You guys can be seated. So glad that you're with us today. If you, if you have a Bible, I'm going to be in the book of John, John chapter 14. I'm going to read verse six. We, we started a, a new collection last week called The Truth in Love. It's a, it's a little bit of a play on words. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians about speaking the truth in love. And, and so we're taking a little bit of artistic license in because this is the month of February and it's when everybody's got love and relationships on their mind and like we're all about relationships and love until February the 14th and then February the 15th you can go back to neglecting one another and <laughs> pretending like each other doesn't exist but by the way if you don't have reservations by now you are in trouble but anyway we started this I want to talk about uh, the truth in love and I gave fair warning last Sunday that this is not the service to have your kids in. So if you need to make a polite exit, middle school and up is great for this message, but uh, I, I, I'm not gonna hold back, amen, everybody. John chapter 14, verse six says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to I want to preach a message today called Mirror Mirror on the Wall. And I just want to give you a little framework today to just kind of I need, you need to build your life on it. And it's three simple words. It's God's the best. 
Just look at your neighbor and say, God's the best. God's the best. He's the best. God's the best. The desire of God and the desire of what our hearts should be is that the, the entire earth, the entire world would be filled with his glory. Like filled with the glory of God. That all, all through the Bible, we, we read verses like this. This is one verse of, of many verses that talk about the glory of God. And it, there, there's a ton of verses. I don't have time to read them all. I'm just going to give you one sample. It's Psalm 72, 19. It said, blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. The, the desire of God and really the desire of our hearts should be to fill the whole earth with the glory of God. And it, it sounds like God wants to fill the whole earth with his own glory. It's like, it sounds a little egotistical. God's a little self-serving, you know. He like wants to fill the whole earth with his glory. And it's, it's not egotistical because God is the best. His glory is his goodness. His glory is his provision. His glory is his blessing. His glory is his freedom. His glory is his power. His glory is his presence. His glory is his incredible kindness. His glory is his mercy that was fresh and new when you woke up this morning. His glory is the grace that is so unmerited. And we want the whole earth to be filled with the glory of God. And watch this. If it's not God, if it's, not God it's the worst. If God's the best, if it's not God, it's the worst. And there's nothing good outside of God. And the reason why we build church and the reason why we want to run this region with locations in every city is we want to do our part in filling the, filling the earth with the glory of God because our desire is to see people all over our region calling on the name of Jesus, lifting up holy hands in worship, filling rooms, giving glory to the only true God, living, God, living for God and honoring God in their everyday lives because we want the whole earth to be filled with the glory of God. We want our region to be filled with the glory of God. We want to fill the earth with the goodness of God, with the grace of God, with the blessing of God, with the provision of God. We want to see the whole earth filled with the glory of God. And one of, one of the practical ways that God fills the earth with his glory, there's, there's more ways than this, but one of the practical ways that God fills the earth with his glory, which is his goodness, his power, his presence, is God fills the earth with his glory through truthful information. He gives us true information. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14 says it this way, for the Lord, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You know, like the, way, the way waters cover the sea, I, I want to I blanket the entire world with, with the truth of who I am, with the truth of my plan for your life, with the truth about who you are, not what others say, not what culture says, not what some other toxic, hurt individual said about you. I want you to have the truth about who I am. I want you to have the truth about who you are. I want you to have the truth about how the world works. I want the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of God, which is why, listen, we don't just preach parts of the Bible and we don't run from cultural hot topics. That's why we preach the whole Bible and we don't shy away from anything. Somebody say amen. amen. And here's, here's my heart 
is I want people to understand the word of God. Because the Bible is optimal for human flourishing. It's optimal for human flourishing. Like God gave us his word so that we could flourish in our life. And wherever people don't know the Bible and they don't know the truth about God, they will never flourish in their life. And why are we so passionate about the word of God? Because we want everybody to experience abundant life in Jesus Christ. We want the whole word of God to be available to everyone everywhere. And this, I, I read this a while back and I just, I, 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 don't, I wanted a personal mission statement. Like, what's my mission here on earth? Like, uh, organizations have mission statements. Churches have mission statements. I, I was just, I just want a personal, like, what's my personal mission statement? And I was reading, and these are the words of the Apostle Paul, and I'm just like, I'm going to make this my life's mission. Colossians 1.25, it's to make the word of God fully known. I want, to, I want to just make the word of God, not partial, not, not shying away from things because I don't want to deal with it because there's going to be conflict. I want, to, I want everybody everywhere to know the whole word of God because the word of God is optimal for human flourishing. I want you to flourish in your life, so I want you to know what the Bible says. God fills the earth with his glory through knowledge. He gave us the truth, and watch this, truth is a mirror. It's a mirror that God gave us because Jesus made a bold claim, a really bold claim. He said, I am the truth. I'm the truth personified. Truth isn't just a set of principles. It is principles. It is information. It is instruction, but it, it has a personification. Truth comes from somewhere and truth comes from Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. And so he said, I, I, I'm the truth personified. So when we look at real truth, then what we should see is Jesus. Like when I, when I see truth, if it's truth, it should show me an image of Jesus. And then we want to be righteous people. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is me looking into the mirror of Jesus. And righteousness is people trying to emulate Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus trying to look like Jesus, trying to talk like Jesus, trying to live like Jesus. Like that, that's, that's what righteousness is. I'm trying to emulate an image that I'm looking at. And so therefore, truth is an external standard of behavior. Right. I, I, I'm trying to live to something. And, and the totality of God's word is truth, and it gives us the rules of life. And I think sometimes when, when I say the word, like, it gives us the rules of life. You're like, Jason, I don't, I don't like rules. I'm not, I'm not cool with rules. I, I don't like rules. Can I just submit to you? You may, may want to know the rules because if you want to win, you need to know the rules of life. And I want to give you the rules of life that God said because I want you to win because the person that's going to win the game is the person that knows the rules. And I want you to win in this game called life. And I want you to be everything that God's called you to be. And truth... Truth is an external standard. And contrasting truth is, is wickedness and corruption. Wickedness is the absence of truth, and corruption is the distortion of truth. So when God gives us the truth, there's an enemy that wants to kind of distort it so we don't have an accurate representation of what God wants for our lives and who we are. So God gave us a truth. God gave us truth as a mirror so that we could look at him and his ways. And truth is, when truth is absent, wickedness prevails. 
And when truth is distorted, people become enslaved by corruption. And God gave us this, this, this mirror called truth so that we could focus on truth. Watch this. So that I could look at truth and I could try to become what I behold. Like I, I'm going to make that my focus. And in, in looking at that, the more I look at it, the more I seek it, the more I search it, the more I become it. And we're in a, we're in a collection right now called Truth and Love. And so I want to just take a minute and I want to talk about what, what's the truth about, about love, marriage, and sexuality. And, and the truth is, is that we're living in a culture that has corrupted the idea of marriage, sexuality, and gender. And it, it started with something that's known as, as feminist theory. And by the way, I did an entire collection last year called Going Nuclear. And it was something I really never thought I'd ever talk about in church. But the whole collection was on, on something called critical theory. It's, it, it's, it's behind uh, so much in our schools, in companies, corporations. And it's a philosophy. It's a worldview. And if you're new to our church, before you get angry at me or before we have some sort of a misunderstanding, if you've never, if you weren't here for that collection, I, I would encourage you. I'm not trying to self-promote, get you to go listen to my message. I just want to get you caught up on the conversation. So before we have a misunderstanding, if you, if you would, if you just invest the time, I think it would, I think it would help you in understanding where I'm coming from because feminist theory is, is a branch off of a tree called critical theory. And it comes from the idea, uh, feminist theory comes from the idea of fairness and equality between men and women. And oftentimes what happens is the world identifies the right problem, but without the word of God brings all the wrong solutions. And listen, we need to champion women. I got a daughter. I'm not gonna, you're not going to find anybody I'm going to champion more than my own daughter. We, 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 need, to, we need to champion women we, we need to encourage women to be all that, that God wants them to be. But how many of you know we need the word of God and wisdom to do that? And, and the, the problem is the general idea that's prevalent in our world is that a woman can do anything a man can do. And here's the problem is that means the standard for women is men. Can I just encourage you a little bit, if you're, if you're a woman in the room, when you look into a mirror for truth about who you are, probably the last person you should see is me. <laughs> the last person you should see is another dude. Because I'm not your standard. Jesus is your standard. God's word is your standard. And the truth is, is you may not be able to be everything a man can be, but you can be everything God said you could be. You can do everything God said you can do. You can have everything God said you could have. And if you're, if, if you're a woman, Proverbs 31 is a great place to look for a standard. And I think sometimes that... That verse is 
intimidating to women because if you've never read it, Proverbs 31 lays out this, this woman and y'all, she, she's a bad chick. Like, that girl don't even sleep. Like she's up late at night, early in the morning and she's like making clothes and selling stuff and like, and I, I think sometimes it's overwhelming. Like I, 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 I'm not all of that. Can, I, I don't think it's meant to overwhelm you. I think it's meant to give you a picture of your potential about what God wants for you because she's happy and she's confident and she's hopeful about the future and she's entrepreneurial and she's a great wife and a great mom. And I think it's just a better picture of what God wants for a woman. We need to do away with the idea of equity and we need to embrace uniqueness. Is if you're, if you're honest, you don't love your kids equally. You love them uniquely. Do I try to treat them fair? Yeah, absolutely. But I've got one child that drives. I've got one child that has a car, and I've got one child that doesn't have a car. That's not fair. That's not equitable. Yeah, but one's 17 and one's 13. The 13 shouldn't, should not have a car. Like, that's just, he shouldn't. I love him. I don't love him any less than the other one, but I love him uniquely based on where he's at. I don't love one more than the other, but they're each their own unique person. And so I love them for who they are. And so the Bible tells us this, Genesis 1.27. So God created man, watch this, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Watch this. God did not create us equally. God created us uniquely. There, there was no idea that we're going to be the same. In fact, the point is, is that we're supposed to be different. And so when we look into the mirror of the word of God, when we look into the mirror of truth, men and women are unique creations made in the image of God. But men, you are made in the image of God. Women, you are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And, and, and the, the live cultures, you can be everything you want to be, and like you can be everything a man can be. But can I just tell you that it, you may not be able to be everything a man can be. That's not the right picture. That's not the right goal. God's got something better for you, and that is a better standard for your life. And if you're shooting to be a man, you've set the bar too low. That's too low of a standard for you. God's got greater things for you. If you're a woman, God's got better things for you than the world is giving you. And if you're a man in the room today, you are not toxic and you are not destructive. God created you to be a provider. God created you to be a protector. God created you to be a driver. God created you to be a dominator. And together, men and women were created to dominate and bring the world into submission to fulfill God's plan for their life. God made us who we are. And because we embraced worldly standards about male and female, now we have a crisis of gender. And, and somebody here today, and I know it's like, man, we're Southwest Florida. This is a conservative area, but we're not protected because this is in some instances in school curriculum. This is in SEL training at jobs. And by the way, if you've given your kids social media, this is already on their phones. And today, the, the reality is that I stand in this room preaching to three services of people, and this sermon will broadcast 
all over is I'm going to speak to somebody who's, who's struggling in their, in their gender identity. And particularly last week, I told you to bring your middle school because particularly middle school and early teens are looking in a mirror that's been corrupted. And how many of you know probably the most awkward age in your life is middle school? And they're, they're looking in a mirror. And there's, there's data behind this. There's science behind this. There's, there's research behind this. And middle school is looking in a, in a mirror. And if a, if a young lady who's in that transitional time of going from a girl to a woman, if she isn't outwardly, outwardly beautiful by world standards, uh, if she doesn't have a fashion sense the way the world sells her she should have, and primarily if she isn't rich, like those are the three things, that if she has those, she probably won't struggle with her gender because she's going to be celebrated. But if a young lady doesn't match those things, then she feels different, which, good God, at the age of 13, all of us felt weird because we were crazy awkward. Like, those are the pictures you don't show. Like, the baby pictures, absolutely. I was cute, like chubby, big cheeks. It was awesome. Get, like, we skipped that middle school. Like, that's not the... And so what the world says, if you don't match our standards, then you're not a woman. If a young man isn't handsome, athletic, by, by worldly standards, and again, pro- predominantly wealthy, then, then you, you're, you feel like, I feel different, I don't feel like I belong, and the world comes along and corrupts the mirror and says, if you're not, if you're not our standards, then you're probably in the wrong gender. And then it celebrates them in culture if they change gender. And can I just encourage you today that what we need to celebrate and what we need to champion is the idea that God made you who you are. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling in your identity, like this isn't a place where we're going to judge you, this isn't a place that we're going to condemn you, I just want you to realize everything that's making you feel like you're in the wrong gender isn't what God's word said, it's the worldly standards of what you're looking at trying to find out who you are. And if you're a girl and you're a tomboy, be the biggest tomboy in the world. That doesn't make you any less feminine than who God created you. Just because you don't match the freaking world standards does not mean you are not who God created you to be. And just because... And just because you're a boy who's more into arts than you are sports and, and, and you're more into different things and, and maybe you don't match something, that does not mean you are any less of a man than what God created you to be. And the standard for your life is not the picture the world has given you. The standard of your life is what God says you can be in his word. What's making you feel like an outcast is a worldly mirror. Because there's an, there's an enemy who knows, watch this, you were, created in the, you were created in the image of God, and there's an enemy that wants to oppose the glory of God. And when you live in your created gender, you reflect the glory of God. So the enemy wants to come and distort your ideas. He wants to corrupt the image of what God's called you and created you to be. So when we look in the truth mirror of what God's word says, we find out that our gender is specifically designed according to God's purpose for our lives. Like when God, when God wanted, when God 
created a purpose for your life. Your, your gender was created to fulfill God's purpose. Psalm 139, while you were in your mother's womb, I was, I was making you. I was intricately weaving you together. And by the way, I wasn't just making you. I was writing the story of your life about who you were to become. And when you fulfill God's purpose, you become fulfilled. Why am I fighting for this? Because there's a world telling people they will get fulfilled if they change the image of God. And I promise you, if you will stay with what God says you are, if you will fulfill God's purpose, God will fulfill your life. And there's an enemy that wants to distort all of this. But I believe today, God just wants to wipe the slate clean for somebody. And perhaps there's, there's no word that's more corrupted today than the word love. And it's, it's a hot topic. Like everybody uses the word love. One of the popular sayings today is love is love. And then people go to this verse. They say God is love. Which is biblical. That is a, that is a Bible verse. God, God is love. So the only problem with saying God is love is that you also have to know that the Bible also says God is holy. And there's one verse in the Bible that says God is love. There's over 50 verses in the Bible that tell us that God is holy. <laughs> and what happens is we say God is love, and then people interpret who God is through our broken image of love. And the world's view of love is either incomplete, it's, it's corrupt, or sometimes it's, it's, it's getting downright wicked. It's like there's just no, no semblance of truth. And when people say love is love, what they really mean is sex is sex. It doesn't mean love, because the world has made love and sex the same thing. And when they say love is love, it just means I want to have sex with who I want to have sex with. And the problem is, sex isn't just sex. That's, that's not the truth. God, God is love, but God's love is sacrificial and covenant-based. So if God is love, then we have to know what love is. I want to know what love is. I want you to... Okay. So the world says love is sex. God said, no, I'm going to example love for you. I'm going to send Jesus... He's going to lay down his life so that he can enter into a covenant relationship with you. And in that, I want to show you what love is. Love is sacrificial and love is covenant-based. So what's God's truth on, on love and, and marriage? Out of the uniqueness of the genders, God created a covenant union called marriage. And he created sex to be the vehicle through which the union would be created. The, the ceremony is the ceremony. Later that night is when the... Okay. Um, <laughs> so that's why you can't just have sex with anybody you want to have sex with because sex is a covenant. And sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is a corrupted covenant. You're corrupting. It's corrupting the idea of what it's supposed to be. And it's a, it's a corruption of the truth about what God wants for your life. And, and any sex outside of marriage, whether it's heterosexual or whether it's same-sexual, it's a, it's a distortion 
of an image of a truth that God is wanting to give you. This is what is marriage and, and why is the enemy... Why is the enemy in culture trying to, trying to reframe this and trying to mess with this and trying to mess with gender and sexuality? It's because Paul was talking about the, the power and the potency of marriage. And now the world is trying to reclaim marriage and, and the government has taken over marriage. And we need the church to rise up and say government needs to get back over in its lane because marriage isn't a government thing. Go- marriage is a church thing. The government... The government doesn't get to tell people who gets married. That's the church's ground. That's our authority. There is governmental authority, but the government doesn't have that authority. That's church authority. And Paul said, this is, this is, why, this is why marriage is such a mystery. Ephesians 5.32, he said, the mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to, watch this, this is the picture. It is Christ and the church. So when we look in the mirror of what human sexuality should be, and we look at a husband and a wife, Paul said that your marriage reflects something that when you see you, you shouldn't just see a husband and a wife, you should see Christ and the church. That you should see Jesus and his bride. And I I know if you're wanting to get married or you're about to get married or you just got married, that's an incredible season of life. Like you're you're having a great wedding ceremony. I hope you have a great honeymoon. You're getting the first apartment or you're trying to buy your first house and you're getting a hand-me-down couch. I love It's a great season of life. But can I remind you that all of that stuff is nothing that when you got married, you stepped into a war zone that says our lives are not going to reflect the culture around us. Our lives are going to reflect the glory of God that we're going to stand we're not going to get divorced we're not going to cheat on each other we're going to stand here and we're going to reflect the glory of our creator so when we look in the truth mirror marriage between a man and a woman is a reflection of Christ in his church so why can we not change marriage it's because if you change it you're corrupting the glory of God and it's no wonder the enemy wants to mess with this mirror. Like, why does, why does, he, want to, why does he want to distort the image of, of marriage? You know why? Because your marriage reminds him of what's going to defeat him. And it's Jesus and his church. So how do you deal? How do you deal with desires that are really strong? Like, there's... There's probably, no, there's probably no formidable beast in our life that we try to control than our sexual desires. Like that, that identity, and, and whether it's heterosexual attraction or whether it's same-sex attraction, first of all, there's no difference between those two. It's all broken sexuality. And it's really, really strong. How do we battle with an identity that's, that's built around these things? Paul told us the issue we would face. He said, these are the last days. This is the markings of the last days, 2 Timothy 3.2. He said, for people will be lovers of self. When we distort God's image of sexuality, what we're doing is we're rejecting the image of Jesus and we're falling in love with ourselves. No wonder we're so promiscuous. It's not because we care about the other person. It's because we just want to satisfy what we want to satisfy. No wonder we have a culture that's same-sex attracted. It's because we're in love with ourselves. And how do, you, how do you break that? Can I just 
tell you that you're going to have to get you out of the mirror. You're going to have to make your exit. And you're going to have to let Jesus be the image of what you believe for your life. You're going to have to humbly receive the vision God has for you. And you're going to have to say what we've always said. And that is less of me and more of Jesus. There's got to be a whole lot more of Jesus. I've got to receive the truth. Like that's the first thing. I've got to receive the truth that this is God's plan. I've got to receive the truth. And can I just tell you today there's healing and there's help. And there's a victory for your life. There's freedom for you. Just don't lose the hope of staying in front of the right mirror, uh, of getting the right image. And I was, I was reading this week the story of the woman with the issue of blood. I love it when you're reading a story you've read numerous times, and then all of a sudden you read it, and something jumps out at you that maybe you've, you've, you've read, but it just for whatever reason it hits you. And I love the woman is, has been sick for 12 years. She's gone to doctors. She's not gotten better She's in a desperate place. Jesus is passing by her region. She finds out Jesus is passing by. And she makes her way through oppressive people in that culture because of her disease. She was not supposed to touch people. She was supposed to stay away from crowds. But she elbows her way and she touches the hem of Jesus. And Jesus says, I felt virtue. Leave me. And the woman was healed and made whole. And here's what stuck out to me is the Bible says that she had been sick for 12 years and she was getting worse and not better. In other words, she wasn't on the road to recovery and she got around Jesus and somehow Jesus pushed her across the finish line. She was at her darkest. She was at her hopeless. As her most hopeless, she was at her absolute worst. And at her absolute worst, when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she received her miracle. And today, I don't want you to think that your help is so far off. I don't want you to think that your recovery is so far off because you might be sitting at the darkest place of your life. You might be sitting at the most hopeless place your life but I want to tell you something if you can have faith faith can change your circumstances I believe one touch from God can drastically change your life I believe one one moment in the presence of God can transform and what I love is, is there was oppressive people and nobody made room for her. Nobody made a way for her. It was her faith that made room for her. And people come to church wondering, will I be accepted? I don't know. I don't know how you're going to feel. I hope you felt welcome when you come here, but I can't guarantee how you feel because there's an enemy that will distort your perception and tell you you're not welcome here and tell you you're not wanted here. But what you have to realize is this room is crowded today because we all want to be around Jesus too. We're all messed up. We're all broken. We all need something for Jesus. So you can just come on in here. And it doesn't matter if anybody accepts you or not. You just elbow your way in by your faith. And your faith will make room for you. And your faith will get you to a place where you will touch truth. And if you touch truth, truth will touch you. And Jesus said it this way. You'll know the truth. Come on, somebody. And the truth will set you free. There's freedom for your life today. Yeah, just stand on your feet. That's fine. You might, you might be getting worse. You might be struggling with that addiction even more than you've ever struggled. You, you might be feeling buried in desires. And right now, I want to I make a transition. I am not just talking about sexual sins. Because I want to give you an opportunity today. What, regardless of if your issue is around 
Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to raise my hand. People are going to think I got this issue. No, let's, we're all dealing with a corrupted sense of self that the world is corrupted. Doesn't matter now. Okay, we're transitioning. It doesn't matter now. There's an enemy that's wanting to distort this. And what we need to do is we need to put Jesus in the mirror. Jesus needs to be the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus needs to be the one that we're focused on. Jesus needs to be the object of our desire. And when we look in this mirror, 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 on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And I need to see Jesus in that mirror because God's the best and every good thing comes from Him. Hey, thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.